Thanks for being here. Why don't you take a seat, grab a Bible, and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're starting a new series. Now, we have a lot of preachers here at Bayou City, and so a series is in quotations. A series. I am starting a series on the Sundays that I'm here, which will be a lot for the next few months, um, on the house of God. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, uh, it says that you may know how you, you ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. So we're going to talk about the house of God for the next couple of months this summer, because my goal is to transition us as Bayou City Cypress from a gathering, an amazing gathering on Sunday mornings. Uh, I don't think there's a better gathering on planet Earth than what we do here on Sunday mornings, but to transition us from an amazing gathering to a kingdom-building, darkness-fighting force of nature. That's my goal for this summer, to transition us from, oh, what an amazing Sunday, to watch out for those people because they are serious about Jesus and they are serious about fighting darkness in Jesus' name. I think that sounds like a church that I want to be a part of. And so we're going to talk about the house of God. Uh, Now, I have a long history with church. I, I grew up in church. I've told you that many times. And it was a very small church, like maybe 30 or 40 people. So you can imagine just going to church with like these people right here uh, that is, is the church that I grew up in. Like this feels like a very intimate setting, but there's actually about 300 of us in here and there'll be another 300 of us in the next service. And so just imagine going to church with 30 or 40 people. That's what I grew up with. The great thing about going to a small church is you get the opportunity to do a lot of things. Uh, Like you could sing at our church growing up just if you wanted to. That was the only qualification to stand up in front of the, the church to sing. It's just, did you want to? And the answer was yes. And we called it a special. That's what had happened. It, It was always... After the hymns and before the preaching, there was a time for the special if there wanted to be one. Now, my mom uh, is a great singer and played the piano, and, and she wanted us to be a musical family. And so she was always pushing us to do specials uh, when we were children. I'm talking small children, like six, seven, eight, nine years old. And I brought an example of one of the specials, songs that I and my younger sister sang. I was probably about eight or nine years old, which would have made her about four or five years old. We stood up in front of the church and we sang this classic song uh, from 1980 something. Give us a little sample of it here. Mm, it was an acapella um, number. Uh, sing it for you now. Here we go. Classic 80 Grant, Amy Grant. So you can imagine me. Hold on just a second. Put it on pause. Uh, I feel like you're not getting the fullness of it. So let me show you what I looked like when I was singing this song. This is me. That's a strong mullet. That is a strong 1980-something mullet. I'm probably eight years old at this time. Now, let's, let's hear the song again so you can picture this Uh, 
So I don't know what you think of when you think of church, but obviously you can think of a lot of things. That was probably not what you were thinking of or picturing when you thought of church when we mentioned it this morning or when you thought about coming today. But church can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. For some people, it can mean an experience that you had with God. For others, it can be a humiliating experience of standing in front of people singing when you can't sing uh, with an awesome mullet. You know, it can mean and be a lot of things to a lot of people. And what we want to do in this series is just focus that picture. So when we say church here at Bayou City Fellowship, we are meaning more than a gathering. We're meaning more than even a community of people, but a gathering into the house of God, the household of faith. Uh, So Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to start this morning. Matthew chapter 6. It's going to be an odd place to start a series on the church because this is the Lord's Prayer. This is... Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray. He says this in verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What I want to put in front of you today is that the church, I believe, is the answer to Jesus' prayer In verse 10, that the church is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The place that Jesus's prayer here is answered is in the church of Jesus Christ. Now I want to prove that to you. Turn a few pages to the left. Matthew chapter 3. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And, and then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So the first person uh, in the Gospels, the first main character is this man named John the Baptist, who was a wild man living out in the wilderness, uh, eating locusts, and, and his message was what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Your kingdom come. Then Matthew chapter 4, page to the right. Now it's time for Jesus' ministry to begin. He's been baptized by John the Baptist. He's been tempted by Satan. And this is what it says in verse 12. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them, the light has dawned. And look what Jesus' message is. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus was baptized, tempted by Satan. John is arrested. The scene is set for the spotlight to begin to focus on Jesus and his message 
that he begins to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, when it says at hand, that means more than coming close. It means more like um, on your front porch. So you imagine somebody texting you and saying, I'm almost there. If they text you on your front porch, it means something different than I'm almost there, meaning I haven't really left my house yet, but I don't want to admit that I'm going to be late, so I'm going to try to put it in the gray area. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning it is on your front porch. It has arrived. We know this from Luke chapter 11, verse 20, because the Pharisees, uh, these religious leaders, are accusing Jesus of casting out demons. So they didn't doubt that Jesus was casting out demons, but what they accused him of was casting out demons by the power of Satan. And so he says, well, that doesn't make any sense because the kingdom cannot stand if it's divided against itself. Um, But, he says... If I cast out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So what he's saying is the kingdom of God is here. It's upon you. And the proof is that I am casting out demons. So Jesus, he did more than just preach about the kingdom. He did more than just warn about the kingdom. It was through him that the kingdom came upon the earth. He literally brought the kingdom with him. Now, there's this interesting phenomenon in the Gospels, in the Scriptures, that I've always been puzzled about. Because as you read the beginning of the Gospels, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus is talking about kingdom nonstop, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of God. And then as his ministry comes to the the fullness and fruition with his arrest, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension, like the pinnacle moment of the Gospels and the Scripture, the kingdom talk just seems to stop. It's kingdom, 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 and then the church. And I've always been confused about which one is more important. Which one matters the most? Is it the kingdom of God? Because sometimes you will hear preachers like me, and they will maximize the kingdom at the expense of the church. And then you have other people who will maximize the church at the expense of the kingdom. But we know that God does not create competing agencies. What's the most important? Well, Jesus actually talks about the church. In fact, a huge moment revolves around it in Matthew chapter 16. If you wanted to turn there, it's a pivotal moment. He says this still in the midst of his kingdom message. It says in verse 13 of Matthew 16, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Meaning, who do people say that, that I am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist had already been killed, and so they thought that maybe John the Baptist had been resurrected in the form of Jesus. And others say Elijah. Same thing, Elijah was a prophet from generations before And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now that doesn't seem like that big of a confession to us. That's probably how most of us first heard about Jesus. You heard together, Jesus Christ. And so this confession seems kind of redundant. It seems like not that big of a deal. But Jesus honors it here because... Peter and the other disciples and these people, they had believed in a Christ long before Jesus had shown up. And what he's saying is this person we've believed in and hoped for forever, we believe that's you. 
And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, that means Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So even in the midst of all Jesus' kingdom talk, one of the most pivotal moments in the Gospels and in the life of Jesus happens around him prophesying and telling that he is going to build the church on the back of Peter and people like Peter. So which is it? Is it the kingdom of God or is it the church of God? Well, thankfully, we don't have to answer questions like that because of verses like Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, when it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Just like we're not asking anybody, Scripture's not asking us to choose God or Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The church is the image of the invisible kingdom. So we can't see the kingdom of God. We know it's here because Jesus brought it with him. But the church is the visible expression of the kingdom of God. It is kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now back to Jesus' prayer, Matthew chapter 6, and a few applications for us. Application number one, the church should be different than the world, just like heaven is different from earth. So if you were going to write something down, these three things would be helpful. The church should be different than the world, just like heaven is different from earth. It says in Jesus' prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. In the book of Revelation, John the apostle, he gets this vision of, of heaven and things to come. And at one point in chapter 19, he's getting the vision of, of, of what is happening in heaven and what's going to happen there. And he sees what's called the marriage supper of the Lamb, this big giant dinner where all the believers are invited, this massive celebration. This dinner is so fantastic. Now, I don't know when the last time you were at an amazing dinner was, but this dinner in heaven that he gets a vision of was so fantastic that he just loses his mind for just a second. He actually falls falls down and he starts worshiping the angel who is hosting him through this vision. Now, John was a smart guy. He was a follower of Jesus. He knew what was right and what was wrong. He knew you weren't supposed to worship angels. He knew you were only supposed to worship God. But he was so overwhelmed with this vision of heaven and what's going to happen in heaven that he just, he, it's like he can't help himself. He just loses his mind for just a second, which tells us that when people, when believers pass from this world through death into heaven, no, is, no one is confused confused about where they are. So if you've known somebody who's passed away recently that was a believer in Jesus, they didn't die and then end up in heaven and wonder, like, am I, am I in some no man's land? Am I still on earth? Am I in like a better version? No, they know that they are in heaven because there's something different about heaven than different uh, than, than about earth. And the same thing should be true when people come to the house of God. The goal would be when that you drive onto this property and walk into this room or any of the other rooms that we use here on Sunday morning, you can tell and I can tell I have stepped out of one thing and I have stepped into something else. I was just in the world, but now it's, it's, it's like I stepped into heaven, not the fullness of heaven, but I stepped into something much different. I mean, because think about what happens in this room the rest of the week. 
this is a rented space, obviously, uh, by the name of the building, which is the Wicked Pony Saloon. Kind of awkward. <laughs> so it's a great church name, but, uh, but, but was it our idea? Uh, so last night, and every Saturday night that we have ever been here, and most Friday nights, and a lot during the week, this is, a, this is like ground zero for wedding receptions. And so people have their weddings here, and they come and celebrate, and so there's tables everywhere. Now you think about what's the difference between a wedding reception and a church. At first you're thinking, well, there's a lot different, but not really because there's music at a wedding reception. There's people getting together laughing, which is, is if you watch people before church starts and after church starts, you see a lot of that. People talking and laughing, people sharing stories, people giving an update on uh, how's it been going. Uh, you probably asked somebody that already today. How was your week? The same questions were asked here in this room last night at Joe, Bob, and Mary's wedding reception. Right? Sitting around a table. There's music, there's conversations, there's laughter, there's coffee and other beverages, I'm sure, at the wedding reception. Just coffee and tea, so I guess that qualifies as beverages uh, here. Uh, a, a lot of it is the same, but how terrible would it be if you came to the wedding reception last night and then you came back to the church this morning and you were like, I mean, it was different primary topic, but by and large, it felt the exact same. But there should be a huge difference about what happens in this room the rest of the week and what happens in these hours that we gather as the house of God here in this building. A couple months ago, some folks in our church got together to pray, something that they, they do pretty regularly. And one of the things that started kind of being on their hearts and lifted up during this prayer time was that God would just attract random people to our church without any kind of invitation, that he would just draw them like a magnet without any reason or cause. And I don't know why they wanted to pray that, but, but they just did. And about two weeks later, uh, a lady was driving by our church on Sunday morning, uh, had never heard of our church, didn't know anybody who, who went here. She saw the sign in her car, began to be overwhelmed with the sense that she needed to come to church. So she turned around right there after seeing the sign, came in to church. She didn't know what time it started. She was just driving by, so she only came for like the last few minutes of the message. Now, you know, everybody, that's obviously the best part, uh, but uh, uh, because it's about over. And, uh, uh, but but so she missed the entire experience, missed worship, missed most of the message, missed prayer time. Uh, she just missed everything, came in for like the last five minutes and, and one song. And, and, and you know, if you've been here before that, we close almost every service with a time of ministry and prayer. And so that time started and she just got out of her seat immediately. You know, some of us kind of wrestle with it. And you're like, ah, I kind of want to be prayed for, but I don't know. It's weird. I got I'm in the middle and I don't want to bother anybody. She was not concerned about any of that because she just got up. She came immediately forward and just was weeping through the entire time of ministry and prayers. Somebody's praying for her. Now, if you would have went to her and said, what was the most moving part? Was it the message? She, she was, I tried. And, uh, and she, she was like, no, I'm, I missed most of it. Was, was it the songs? No, I'm, I missed all of the songs. It was just, I got in here and something happened to me. This is the kind of thing that should happen in the house of God because the church is not just a gathering where we exchange information and pleasantries and how you've been doing and I hope everything is good for you. It is the answer to Jesus' prayer, your kingdom come. Where else besides this room are you going to get to experience the kingdom of heaven? The church is the visible expression 
of the kingdom come. Application number two, the will of God should be the priority of the church just as it is in heaven. The will of God should be the priority of the church just as it is in heaven. What's Jesus' prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done. I mean, that's what makes heaven different than earth, isn't it? In heaven, Jesus' will, God's will, is fully acknowledged. His rule, His power, His lordship, it's fully obeyed. Here, it's partially obeyed. We see glimpses of God's will being done. That will be what happens when Jesus returns. Everything about this world will be made new under His rule and authority, meaning this world will be organized finally according to His will. But right now, only heaven is fully acknowledging the will of God. And what that means is it means that the darkness absent from heaven should be absent from the church. The darkness absent from heaven should be absent from the church. See, as the church of Jesus, we should always be pushing back the darkness. See, when you became a believer in Jesus, you didn't just get a reservation in heaven. You received a new nature. And Jesus said that in that new nature, you are the light of the world. Meaning in every room that you walk into, you should make the darkness in that room feel uncomfortable and unwelcome. The darkness should notice when we walk in. A couple weeks ago, in a neighborhood not too far from here, uh, in a shopping uh, center that you would just drive by and not really notice, there was a, a bathhouse going in, a new bathhouse. Now, if, if you don't know what a bathhouse is, they're all over the place, especially out here in our part of the town, but we don't really see them. They're kind of invisible, but they'll go by names like Star Bath. Now, when you really start thinking critically, like, what does that mean? What kind of business is that? I mean, who would go and take a bath in a shopping center? Well, once you start thinking critically about it, you understand that that's usually almost 100% of the time a front for some kind of prostitution and sexual perversion. And sometimes the ladies in there are forced to do that against their will, or at least pressed into it. And so some people in our church, they cared about that neighborhood and the, and the, the shopping center that, where this business was going in. And they knew what was happening. And so they did two things. People in our church and some outside of our church, they started to pray. Started to push back the darkness through prayer. And they started to activate. They started to tell one another, hey, this is going in. This is not cool. The word started to spread through social media. Somebody tracked down. Somehow the owner of that shopping center learned about what was really happening or going to happen in that business. And the owner of the shopping center said, no way. You can't meet here. That happened because people in our church and others like it, they understood that they are the light of the world. And when darkness came, that they had some authority over the darkness. You have influence. You have the capacity right now because of Christ in you, the hope of the glory, because you are the light of the world. You have the capacity to fight darkness and see results. See, to this world that we live in, which we love and, and, and care about and like and enjoy, in this world, we are both comfort and discomfort. We are comfort to this world because we bring the love of God and the peace of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. 
And so this world that we live in on the earth, it should look to us as comfort. But we will also be discomfort to the world because we are holy, because we are prophetic, and because we have an authority that God has given us. And we need to embrace both. We need to embrace being both comfort to the world and discomfort to the world. The problem is, is, is I don't like being discomfort to anybody because you know what? I do not like people who make me uncomfortable. I say, what's up to them? And then walk away. I don't email them back. I don't initiate. Let's hang out with them. We love to be loved and we love even more to be liked and to be accepted. Most of us just want to be comfort. We want to hug the world. And really what we want is we want to be hugged back by it. And and we believe this lie that if I love the world, it will love me back. If, If I watch Game of Thrones with all of its nudity and violence, then the people that I work with, when they start talking about it and I can join in on that conversation, they will accept me fully. If, if, I, if, I, if I cut loose like everybody else that I know cuts loose, then, then they're going to receive me and accept me fully, not partially, but fully. If, if I speak like them, if I laugh when they laugh, then they're going to embrace me and I'm, and I'm going to be accepted fully. But listen, if you have a new nature in Jesus, if you are the light of the world, this world will never accept you fully. It can't because the darkness hates the light. The darkness can't tolerate the light. So we, as the church, we need to embrace being comfort when we can be comfort. And we need to be okay with being the discomfort to this world. To take on a prophetic voice, to take on an authoritative voice. Because Jesus in us, and we believe as the house of God, we are organized around doing the will of God. And the third and last thing I want you to see this morning, the possibilities of heaven should be the possibilities of the church. The possibilities of heaven should be the possibilities of the church. Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, On Friday, I was driving with Jackson. He's eight. And we started talking about heaven. I said, Jackson, what do you think the first thing you'll do in heaven? is? like, what do you want to do first when you get there? And uh, he thought about it for just a second. He said, I want to ask questions. And I was like, oh, man, what a spiritually mature answer. You know, like I, I would have thought like, like I want to see if I can punch a lion in the face and not get mad. You know, like I want to, that, that would be more of my gear. But he said, I want to ask questions. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I've done such an amazing job raising this young man. And, bless Jesus and whatnot. And, and I said, well, what question are you, are you going to ask first? Like, what's the first question? Thought about it for just a second. And he goes, yetis. I'm going to yes, ask about yetis. So my son's first question in heaven will be about Sasquatch. I'm like, well, that's kind of random. He's like, I'm pretty sure they'll be there. If they're real, then they're going to be there, you know? And I'm like, who knows? Who knows what's going to be there? Because 
uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, when it says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. What lies ahead of you is greater than your greatest imagination. Now listen, if you're anything like me, I've imagined some pretty fantastic stuff. Like last week, Amanda and I were celebrating our 12th anniversary in the Caribbean. And so uh, all week long, we were at our hotel, which was right on the beach, and we would sit in chairs on the white sand, and we would read, and then when it would get hot, we would swim in the crystal blue water, and then we'd read, and then we'd swim, and we'd read, and we'd swim, and this is what I did for an entire week um, last week to celebrate our anniversary. And occasionally, when that got a little boring, uh, we would take a walk, and our uh, hotel happened to be the last hotel for a while, and there was kind of just kind of empty, deserted beach uh, to the right of our hotel. We would walk down there, and there, kind of in the emptiness, right on the beach was this chapel. It, was, it had a thatch roof, uh, stick walls, had a cross inside of it, and, and it, you know, it, it didn't have four walls. It just had three walls because one of the walls was the beautiful Caribbean uh, Sea. And, uh, and I immediately thought uh, Cancun City Fellowship. Right? <laughs> you know, I mean, because God loves the world. And we love the world. And uh, I would love a work excuse to go to the Caribbean. Imagine myself preaching and many people responding and then doing nothing for the rest of the day. I've imagined some pretty unbelievable things. And so have you. But even greater than our most unbelievable imagination is what God has prepared for you. Listen, prepared is past tense to God. He has already prepared it, but it's future tense to us. So it changes the equation for me about inviting people to church, because it can be awkward to invite people to church, especially if you're not really sure what the church is all about. I mean, what are you inviting people to? Are you inviting them to a religious gathering? Are you inviting them to like a family reunion? Like, what are you inviting people to? But when you think about that God has something prepared, past tense, for the people that you love. He already has something prepared for them, but it's future tense to them. You're not just inviting your friends and people you love and your neighbors and your coworkers. You're not just inviting them to a gathering. You're inviting them to their future, which God has already laid out. You're inviting them into something beyond their wildest imaginations. And I'm sure they're just like you and just like me, that they've dreamed up some pretty amazing things. But when I think about, you know, I'm not just, not just saying, will you come to me to something that's important to me? I'm saying, will you come with me to something that's important to you? You just don't know it yet. That gives me a little bit more boldness because now I'm not doing it for me. I'm not doing it because I ought to, or it's something that I should do. I'm inviting them into something that's good for them, not just good for me. Something that they need to experience, something future for them. And God's already prepared it and it will be beyond anything that they have ever imagined, seen, or heard. Those same possibilities exist for us, those who already believe. Wouldn't it be amazing to come to church and really believe, man, anything is possible 
today because I'm coming into the house of God. And I'm not just coming to a gathering, but I'm, I'm stepping in to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to go to that place. Religious gatherings, that sounds super boring, and I am in charge of religious gatherings. But heaven on earth, kingdom come, and all the possibilities and power that comes along with it, that sounds like a body, that sounds like a group, that sounds like a house that I want to be a part of. And we have this amazing growing community of single moms in our church. And, uh, we affirm them so much, uh, not just to offer them ministry, because what I've learned in the last few years that the resolve and tenacity and commitment uh, of a single mom is off the charts. And when God puts something in their hands, uh, they get it done. And I don't know what it is about being a single mom, that, uh, but these ladies are some of the most unbelievable ladies on earth. And so we love them being in, in the church, not just so we can minister to them, but because they get stuff done in Jesus' name in, a, in an unbelievable way. And, and there's a, a group that meets um, uh, at our other church on Sunday mornings, kind of a growing group of about 15. And somebody put it, it, God put it in the heart of somebody in our church uh, last week to just bring them some Target gift cards worth about $50. So not a big deal, but if you've ever been to Target, you know you can't get in there for less than $50. And, and, and just for no reason, but just to say, we love you and we're thinking about you, we care about you, we're so grateful that you're here. And, uh, and so Amanda and I got the privilege of being the ones to give them these gift cards. And so we just affirmed them. And, and, and they actually had a smaller group last week than normal. And so there were more gift cards than people. And, and we just left it up to them and said, you know, you guys can take two or you can save them for the other people. I mean, I would take two personally, uh, but uh, you would do whatever you want. And so... Um, it was cool as some of the stories that came out after that. I mean, $50 gift card, it's nice. It's not going to change anybody's life for sure. But uh, one, uh, uh, another lady that's normally in their group, she came in super late, was flustered. And she, she just said, honestly, I didn't, I didn't want to come to church today. And I almost didn't because as I was getting ready, I was putting on my makeup. And it all, all of my makeup, every bit of it fell into the toilet. Now, and I got total compassion because I'm dropping stuff into the toilet all the time. My phone has landed there more times than I care to admit. Uh, I mean, so we're all on board with what that's like. And uh, she's like, I just, I was, had, it had already been a bad morning. And uh, then that happened and it was, it was awful. And I didn't want to come. And I sure didn't want to come without any makeup but I decided to anyway. And so here I am. And these moms were like, well, you're glad you came because here's the, your makeup money for your makeup. Go and get what you, you, you lost. I heard another story about one of the moms who uh, is in the group that was there that morning. And uh, she had been working real hard to keep her and her kids' heads above water. But it's hard when you go from one, two incomes to one income or one income and then that income decides that he would rather go and do something else and you got nothing it's hard to keep your head above water and she'd been working real hard real hard real hard saving a little bit but this was going to be the first week where she was going to have to spend more than she had and she came with some tears in her eyes saying this gift card, it's small, but it's groceries for me and my kids. It's the difference between me getting another week with my head above water 
and, and me not knowing what to do. That's your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where people, you like you and I, are like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the future is. And I got all these things. And we come into the house of God and there's something prepared specifically for us on earth as it is in heaven. So when we think of church, let's not think of a gathering. When we think of church, let's not think of just people. Let's think of on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. God, we thank you for every provision that you have provided. We thank you for the provision of your house, the visible expression of the kingdom of God. And I pray that you would change our thinking about what the church is, what it means to be a part of it, and what it should accomplish. I pray that when we think of it, you clarify, you focus that for us. I pray that you would turn us into a force of nature in Jesus' name. We give you great praise and we give you great honor in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet?